Hello, and welcome back to the podcast, to the Cinebums podcast. It's a lovely afternoon here in California to talk about Kino children's films or, or Kino family films, which was the idea of our lovely guest today, Charlotte, uh, who's a first-time guest on the podcast. Lovely to have you here, Charlotte. And also, Rye Bread is back. from He was on the 1960s episode. My friend, welcome back. You were a great, great guest. Um, advocate for... Virginia Woolf. We love to see that. (laughs) It was a great episode. Um, Charlotte, I want to ask you like right up top what I asked you kind of like what episode you wanted to do, like what motivated you to pick family films and like the best family films list sort of thing. I just feel like they're underrepresented, especially like outside of animation and whatnot, because there are some like really great pieces of cinema, I think, that are like specifically for kids or specifically for families as a genre and whatnot. Yeah, totally. Um, And rest assured, I do admittedly have a lot of animation on my list. (laughs) Um, Same. I think... I think my roots are always going to be animation. What got me started and like in movies. So I just couldn't resist, but like what, you know, like what, what, what deterred or like what determined your list? Was it like your favorite films as a kid or like through the lens of being an adult for, for, I guess for both of you, like how did you make your top 10? A little bit of both. Um, I, when it came to limiting things down to like my top 10, I wanted to think of things that I would want to show my children when I have them. Things I loved when I was a kid. And let's say I'm babysitting. Would I get sued if I showed yeah. someone this? Then it's not going to make my list, unfortunately. So Wizards will not mm. be making an appearance. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a good uh, barometer. Ryan, mm. what about you? Um, Honestly, I kind of have to second Charlotte. Uh, a lot of it came down to me just only involving films that I was either going to have time and give up time for a rewatch before we did this episode or stuff that I had at least logged on my letterbox at one point or another been on there for like mm. five years. So I was like, it's usually a good gauge of what I can remember seeing and um, kind of just went from there. I think um, categorizing family film can be tricky if you're not going to go with the like by the book definition of like no bitch imdb says this is a family film like <laughs> other than that it's not a family film but i honestly didn't have too much difficulty and now that i know that it's top 10 instead of top five i'm having a great time let's so. go i love that i had a similar approach to both of you where it was it was a mix of nostalgic feeling and determining like what films did I love when I was five, but also films that I love is tw- when I turned 25, you know, so that there's not a huge gap between fil- like these films that I could just keep revisiting. Um, and I think that's what determines like my favorites, you know, ones that I've watched within the last five years, as Rai said, um, not all of these films on my list are quality per se. Some <laughs> of them are, especially the first few are pure nostalgic bait, but fuck it you know like it's our list so i'm not you know as you quoted imdb we're not going to be pleasing the imdb patrons which is totally fine with me um honorable mentions do you guys want to do that i know rye you said you had uh quite a few you wanted to go through since we do have i will say we're doing 10 films each so bear with us Uh, it's gonna be a long crowded episode but i wouldn't have it any other way 
honestly, with now that like just with putting everything in perspective that we're doing 30 films, I feel like some of my honorable mentions are just movies that are going to be on other people's lists. So I'm kind of chilled, mm. like, okay, not reading mine yet, at least. Sure. Charlotte, are you are you cool? Do you have yeah. any? Um, I guess I wanted to preface with saying, like, on my list, I tried to limit myself to one by each, like, major animation studio because I felt like it would be boring if my list was, like, half Studio Ghibli or half <laughs> Disney or, yeah. like, filled with Laika or whatever. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, honorable mentions for me, I have Watership Down because, again, don't want to get sued by someone <laughs> babysitting. Um Every other Ghibli movie, every other Leica film, the animated Hobbit, Anastasia, and the Dark mm. Crystal. Mm. Anastasia is a great one. Mm-hmm. Still have not seen that one. Love Don Bluth. You would really like it, Ryan. I know. It seems very Ucor. Yeah, I. that's a whole different thing. I almost saw it on Broadway, but I was like, I don't know what this is. So I didn't. They don't have Rasputin in the Broadway version. So <laughs> they sure don't. They sure don't. Yeah, Don Bluth was a was a big like the American Tale was big when I was a kid. Um, yeah, just as what was the first one? American Tale, uh, Land okay. Before Time. Like those were, I didn't see Anastasia till later, but that's a wonderful little movie. And like he was, uh, just his style is kind of imprinted on my uh, my like late nineties, early two thousands childhood for sure. Um, great. I don't really have any honorable men- mentions either, so let's just like dive into. The top 10. Uh, Charlotte, it's your first time guests as per tradition. Would you like to start with your number 10 uh, film? Who am I to go against tradition? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. My number 10 is Jim Henson's Labyrinth. I know people in the Discord have a lot of disdain for this movie, but hmm. I love David Bowie. I love David Bowie in tight pants and I love puppets. So why wouldn't I love this movie? Um, I just think it's a lot of fun. I actually didn't discover it until I was a teenager, but um, I've always been obsessed with the person who did set design and creature design on it, Brian Froud. Mm. I grew up with um, his like art books on fairies and goblins. And so like when I did finally watch it when I was like 13 or 14, I became immediately obsessed. And now I watch this movie like probably at least once a year now. The music's fun. I think Jennifer Connelly's great. Set design is fantastic. That's Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That and Dark Crystal were like two very special uh, movies for me as a kid, too. Just like the world building and the set design and the the imagination behind Frank Oz and all of the, everyone involved. Like the set designs are just immaculate. So Absolutely. those are so just beautiful gothic imagery. Mm-hmm. Um Jim Henson, of course. Yeah. Love him. I've gotten to go see a bunch of the puppets in person in Atlanta because they have a museum of puppetry. And it's like so cool getting to see them like in person and stuff. I would love to see that next time I go to Atlanta and Mm -hmm. to see Carlos. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and you and you. Um, Amazing pick. Uh, Rye, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I. Honestly, my latter half of my top five of, out of my top 10 is not very organized, but it's just kind of filled with a bunch of films. But whatever. Me too. Same here. But um, my number 10 is going to be 
um, Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg, who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, lovely. Um, God, I don't have too much to say about it. I think for, especially for when the film came out, which I have no idea when it came out, but it doesn't matter. Um, the hybrid of 2D animation and live action never feels overtly gimmicky. It is really imaginative and mature. I mean, it's based on a book called like, who some it's something very similar to the movie's title yeah um and it's like a dark crime like noir but it's given this like really incredible energy and uh look so uh yeah that's my number 10 amazing film that was i actually didn't see that till i was like over the age of 18 which is kind of a (laughs) which is a weird you know because i feel like a lot of people grew up with that film but so imaginative and just so much fun just so infectiously like uh inventive on every level mm-hmm. and like bob hoskins and the neo-noir elements jessica rabbit it's just, it's just all so perfect uh charlotte have you seen it yes i've grew up watching it and stuff lucky and i feel like jessica rabbit is always like ingrained in my subconscious yes she is her style like her aura is like it's such a great homage to like the femme fatale character, but also elevating oh, it to like modern times. And Robert Zemeckis and Spielberg, you know, did a lot of great things for kids too, just producing stuff. So amazing, amazing movie. I love that movie. Um they made such great use of the medium too, I feel. Oh my God. Yeah. And they've, they've tried to recapture that hybrid thing that Rye was talking about with like the Chip and Dale movie, which I was not a big fan of um, <laughs> trying to recreate that magic, but. God, it's just such a lightning in a bottle thing. Just such a great film. Um, sweet. I'll go next. Um, this is where I deviate from high art in a way because this film is utter camp trash that I love. But oh. and it's it could be considered a trilogy, but I'm just gonna go with the first one. Uh, the first Spy Kids movie it was a huge, huge movie. It was the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. I was four years old that I just remember coming back and like recreating the scenes with my siblings and stuff. So it was just a huge like phenomenon for me with like movies and just kind of like imagination in general. It kind of sparks some things. Um, and you watch it now, like it's impossible for me to divorce myself from that magical feeling as a kid because like the green screen sucks, the CGI and everything and the the tone is pretty dated, but I don't give a shit. It's still to me, it's like I, I would show my kids that I think there's it's pretty unproblematic in terms of its themes and everything. Um, and just like a, just a great wish fulfillment movie for kids and, you know, teaches sort of this affirmation to believe in yourself as at a young age. So um, and yeah, that's really it. I just they don't make kids movies that are as zany and that sort of almost adult themed anymore. And like, I, that's why I was like, early 2000s spy kids is like the perfect example of that um have you guys seen it or give a shit about spy kids i wouldn't be surprised if the answer is no it was on repeat in my house as a kid so <laughs> love that I, I i just haven't seen it in so long but they're re- those movies are always a good time they're so fun and isn't alan cummings in i yes. don't know if y'all I'm obsessed with him. Me too. So the fact that he's in those movies and still looks back fondly on them, like publicly, I think that says a lot about like, because 
to publicly 20 years later in your into your career still take this like silly trilogy of films that were like targeted towards kids and still be like yeah i'm proud of that people still walk mm -hmm. up to me on the street and are like you're a big part of my childhood it's like that's definitely i think that's pretty cool absolutely yeah i think it would make a fun drinking game to like take a shot every time like a famous um hispanic actor makes yes. a cameo in it yes <laughs> oh danny trejo is fantastic in it and also the what you're saying about Alan Cumming, like I feel like that was like his sort of Willy Wonka performance where he's like he reached so many different generations and he kind of was like given the authority to go all out. Um, and as as an adult, I like I really treasure that performance and like yeah, just so wonderful. Um I even like the sequels, even though they get progressively more stupid, but <laughs> the, by the third one. Yeah, the third one is a simulation video game sort of thing, and it's like it's Such incredible. a dated okay. concept, but I love it. <laughs> Finally, brave enough to say it on this podcast. I love the Spy Kids trilogy so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> on that note, uh, Charlotte, what's your number nine? Hunchback of Notre Dame from Walt Disney. Um, it's dark. It's gritty. Um, it's everything. It's like the antithesis of what you think a Disney movie should be. And then like it still works so well for some reason. And like, I don't know, I think it's probably the ballsiest that Disney has ever been with a feature. Um, mm. I fucking love it. Um, Hellfire is such a good song. Like the music in it is incredible. The animation is beautiful. They probably have my favorite annoying sidekicks of any Disney movie in the gargoyles. Though I always love the annoying sidekicks, <laughs> sidekicks that everyone hates anyways. I even love the garbins <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I um recently rewatched Hunchback because I um well besides just really enjoying the uh, score particularly by uh, Stephen Schwartz, who is the Stephen Schwartz and I think Alan Menken wrote the score for Hunchback. And Stephen Schwartz is also famous for writing Broadway musicals like Wicked. So like he wrote the music and it's been expanded upon on stage. And I just think it's like absolutely what Charlotte said, like very mature, dark and like treats its audience like like, oh, no, baby, we're not gonna, we're, we'll we'll sugarcoat it because we're Disney. But like, you'll know what's going on. And I think it's pretty great. Sure. I mean, it's a movie about a fucking priest wanting to commit genocide because he's too horny. We yeah. love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't even think about it that way. But I I always had a soft spot as a kid for the, the Disney movies that were like secretly so wicked and fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember watching this, that and Sword of the Stone um, as a kid uh, and the and the Black Cauldron, too. Yes. Um, yes, which I just thought were so like darkly themed and just like had this tone that was like above my age range that I always just really enjoyed. And that's like a great hallmark for Disney when they got a little darker and a little more daring, like in the mm -hmm. 70s and the 80s, for sure. So I want a director's cut of Black Cauldron so bad because apparently yes. they yeah. edited so much shit down mm -hmm. for that movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's so true um would love to yeah i would love to see that uh rye what's your number nine okay so my number nine is uh i think it's going to be the most recent film on at least my list um it's a 2022 animated film it is a sequel that everyone thought was going to bomb 
and rightfully so. I thought it was going to bomb as well, but it has an incredible screenplay, a mature yet child-friendly sense of humor, great themes. Um, it is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish mm-hmm. from uh, last year. And I think that the DreamWorks putting out a movie like this in 2022 when everyone thought that they were kind of done and over with was whoever whoever pitched this um, plot is a genius, in my opinion. I think it handles a lot of adult themes and topics, but still having it be like quick, action-packed, funny, mature, edgy. And I think it's really, really, really great. And if you hadn't seen it yet because you think it's stupid, think again, I guess. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Not for the fact that I think it's stupid. I'm just a lazy motherfucker and I haven't watched it. But, but four times, four times. Wow. Okay. Oh, bitch. Oh, honey. Wait, (laughs) I got the Walmart. You have come with this shit. (laughs) Uh, It came with the, the dog guy as well, who, by the way, there, there are characters in Puss in Boots, the last wish that, you see first and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to absolutely hate every scene that they're in. Right. And they win you over. Every character wins you over. Love that. It's great. Love that. I mean, I've heard nothing but just joyful, amazing, glowing reviews about it. So I, it's on me. And like, I know the, I've even just seen the trailer. The animation looks pretty next level gorgeous. Um, it's really, really great. So um, who would have thought we'd have two Antonio Banderas movies already? <laughs> You know, family films list. Um, I will watch it for you. I promise. I will watch it soon. It's been on my list. Maybe it's the fact that there was a first one I never saw, but I don't think it fucking matters at all. I never saw that shit. <laughs> I don't think most people did. Um, but awesome. Great pick. Um, my number nine film is stop motion film uh, directed by Nick Park. Which is Walson and Gromit, The Curse of the Were Rabbits. Oh. Which I absolutely love. I love movies that capture the ens- essence of October when I was a kid so much. I mean, Halloween is was always my favorite time of year. And this movie just encapsulated just the just the spirit and like the gothic sort of, you know, feeling of Halloween. Um, but also geared just so much towards kids, because like this whole plot of this film is like very very adventurous and very simple um but yet the animation is so artistic and so detailed like i just can't fathom obviously like stop motion has elevated itself since then like over time just getting better and better and better as time goes on but like just the the miniatures and just the attention to detail of everything in this movie just so gorgeous the voice actors are so funny and, and like hello bottom carter ray fines um the writing's so witty. I just, it's just, it was just such a big movie for me as a kid. I remember going to like three or four birthday parties that were centered around <laughs> this movie. Um, and again, just the whole, before getting into like actual horror movies, you know, like a few years later, like this was my shit, you know, like these, these Tim Burton esque sort of stop motion movie, like James and the Giant Peach is another one that I was just absolutely obsessed with, you know, Henry okay. Selleck. Nightmare Before Chris Christmas stuff. So, but this was always my favorite. Um, and also the the shorts that Nick Park directed prior to this movie with Walson Gromit are just absolutely perfect. Um, and he did Chicken Run, which is a movie I also adored as a kid. So, yeah, uh, Curse the Were Rabbit. Hell yeah. Um. 
Yeah, Charlotte, you're next. Okay. Um, my number eight is Matilda. Um, I love Matilda so much. Um, it's just like the essence of childhood to me and stuff. And I love that it's not afraid to um, be honest with children in a way. You know, adults are sometimes the bad guys in your life and whatnot. It's a sad truth, unfortunately, and sometimes even our own families are. I feel like kids need that sort of representation to let them know that they're not alone if they're feeling that way. And I think Matilda does a beautiful job at that. Um, Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman are fabulous mm-hmm. in it. Hilariously stupid. Um, the Trunchbull is iconic and terrifying. My worst yes. fear was being locked in the chokey as a kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it really does like hit all those notes that you need and stuff. If you're like a nerdy bookish kid, who's maybe a little bit scared of the world. Absolutely. That was a big school movie for me too. We watched that in school like so many times. Um, And as a chubby kid, I always feared the chocolate cake scene so much like deep in my bones. That's a that's a straight like torture scene in a kids movie. I love it. Yeah, it's so perfect. Um, do you ever by chance see the remake? No, <laughs> the musical. Out of curiosity. Yeah. Did you Rye? The musical one. Yeah, yeah, the musical one. So I, not to go down the rabbit hole. I know it's wildly successful stage musical, and yeah. like especially in London, and they made it into a film and they cut it down, and it's not. It didn't get as great of reviews. I didn't watch it because i didn't give a shit about the music but um right. yeah but it also, is successful it, yeah didn't Go danny ahead. devito direct the original matilda movie he did mm-hmm. that shit blows my mind i love that for short italian man <laughs> my God. My God. he's he's got a great resume as a director like death to smoochie and war of the roses are both really solid and yeah I, I love him so much too. Just such a treasure. <laughs> what a guy. Um, what a guy. What a guy. Um, okay. All right, Ryan, you're up next. All right. My next pick is Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Helena Bottom Carter joint. Um, <laughs> it is uh, Corpse Bride. Uh, nice. nice. I, in middle school, was like, I'm not one of those kids that likes like dark shit. And then I was like, you know what? I I don't know. But I was like, I do want to watch um, Tim Burton movie because I really liked Edward Scissorhands growing up, which I would have put on my list if it wasn't rated PG-13. But I did see it as a child. So, so say with that as you will. But um, I really loved um, the heart and the music in Corpse Bride, as well as the animation. I think it's really, really fantastic. And um, yeah, that's my pick. That's all I can really say. That's Rycor right there, if I've ever seen it. We would have fought yeah. in middle school, Ryan, because I was definitely the spooky kid. <laughs> no. No, you, you would have just bullied me. There would have been no fighting. I still bully you, Ryan. <laughs> just bully you for not liking Roll Doll stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, let me figure out my sexuality before we fight about literature. I'm begging you all. <laughs> Horses, Oscar Wilde down your throat. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, I haven't seen Corpse Bride since I was legit in 
middle school. So that's I owe that a rewatch. I'm sure it it's Henry Selleck. End up at Remains of the Day, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so fun. The I just love the little maggot dude. He makes me so happy. The um Peter Laurie maggot. Yes, love him. He's fabulous. Oh, and I was Laurie. obsessed. I was obsessed with Helena Bottom Carter growing up. I was like, oh, she's she. Everyone when I watched Harry Potter, they were like, what's your favorite character? I was like, Bellatrix, because she scares the shit out of me. Bellatrix <laughs> is. She's, she's a bad bitch. A, she's an S tier like Harry Potter character, just perfect. Yeah, she's, she's about bad. a bitch. <laughs> I loved her too. She was like the first actress I truly, truly loved as a kid. I mean, yeah, like for sure. Harry Potter and Tim Burton joints, as you said. Um, yeah. She's the shit. She's the best. Uh, cool. Um, my number eight is actually Charlotte's number eight. It is Matilda. Um, hey. How could I not? How could I not? Uh, as a kid, Roald Dahl was, he was kind of the one that inspired me to want to pursue writing as a career and stuff like that so i i owe a lot to his early works and stuff and then matilda was always my favorite book um but later on seeing the adaptation it's so good it's just so it captures the role doll spirit almost as good as any other adaptation in my opinion um and like you said like the so much terrifying imagery as a kid that kind of just sticks with you like and the the notion I like I love what you said about you know realizing that adults you know even within your own family circle could be the villain of your own own world I think is such a powerful resident message with a lot of kids you know a very taboo sort of subtext to you know other things unfortunately for that you know kids deal with all the time and but the movie manages to be so life affirming at the same time you know like the very end is such a it's such a wonderful journey that she goes on and like I. You know, I was a weird kid. I was a quiet mm-hmm. kid. And she, I always just, you know, she was like one of the first fictional characters I heavily related to and, you know, just resonated with me so deep. So, and like you said, we, we stand a Danny DeVito, that short little man. Um, <laughs> love him so much. Um, yeah. Great movie. Uh, I rewatch it like once or twice a year. Just, just so wonderful. Um, and I, yeah, we covered Matilda pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> the Matilda recap episode. <laughs> I would love to do one. I would love to do it. I would love to do a Danny DeVito deep dive into his filmography episode. If if anyone's out there, hit me oh up. I could do we'll an do entire episode on Batman Returns. So, I'm down. <laughs> Never seen it. Batman Returns is the best Batman movie ever. I um, concur. In my in my opinion, oh, we love the Penguin. Uh, Charlotte, uh, I think your number we're on number seven. Seven. Yes, number seven. My number seven is going back to a man that we spoke about during honorable mentions. It's Don mm. Bluth. It's the secret of Nim. Um mm. I think the animation in this film is like, you know, particularly beautiful. It's my personal favorite Don Bluth film. Um it's scary but also very sweet and sort of like the opposite of Matilda in a lot of ways because it's so much just about like you know a mother's love and whatnot and the lengths she'll go for her children and whatnot and I don't know it's just fun to watch like it's one of those movies that I loved as a kid that I 
watch now and I still love as an adult like you know because there is like you know the nostalgia factor I think but you know you can Mm -hmm. still know whether or not something's critically good or not and I feel like Secret of Nim stands the test of time the fucking great owl is terrifying (laughs) I think um And just like, you know, the very real fear of being such a tiny little creature in such a big world. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. I haven't seen it in over a decade, so I'm pretty foggy. Uh, Ryan, have you seen it, Ryan? Same here with you. I know I've seen it. I think I saw it in class. Mm-hmm. In, like, I think in so, too. Sometimes. But um, I definitely need to rewatch it because I know the, um, from what I remember, the art style is beautiful. And I know it deals with a lot of heavy, mature topics and it's spooky, but not like boo spooky, I guess. <laughs> it was my ecological pick for the list. Ooh, okay. There we go. Nice. <laughs> Don Bluth's movies were like extra heavy when you look back. Like American Tale is like a, the process of like um, immigration and like, how hot button issue that was in like the eighties and and land before time is deals with mortality. Like they're all so deep, deeply, you know, rooted in themes that were as kids, you know, you, you don't really see that in movies anymore either, but yeah, we love, I love Don Bluth so much. Uh, Rye number seven. Um, so my number seven was Charlotte's pick as well in the past. Um, but I had to put it in there still. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame is also on my list. Uh, I could elaborate more, but it would just be about like the score, and I don't even know how to read music, so I'd just be talking out of my ass. So. <laughs> we love that, nice and short. Um, yeah, you guys, I, I really want to revisit that now after you guys have spoken about it. But go ahead, Charlotte. Oh, I remember being a kid and the scene where they're looking up into the bell and just like being so mesmerized by that and wanting to go to Paris just to look inside the beautiful Mm. bells of Notre Dame. I Mm. actually had never seen this movie until about like two, three years ago. Like never saw it as a kid. But when I did watch it, I was like, oh my God, like I'm kind of glad I'm the age (laughs) I was. Because I was like, I think so much of this would have went over my head and I don't know. It is also based on a Victor Hugo novel who the same author who wrote Les Mis. So there's a lot of parallels in the structure of like Hunchback and Les Mis as like pieces of musical mm. theater. It's, it's interesting. It's all usually very spiritual and uh, have a lot of misery, which is interesting for something to, for Disney to have adapted, but I'm glad they did. I could always count on you, right, to find the parallels with some musical theater. That's why we have right. you on here. Yes. For the musical theater episode, I'm holding you to it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give me a list of homework. You got to catch me up to speed for sure. I will. I've been making, uh, shout out to Perry. I've been making Perry watch a bunch of movies based on plays that he's never heard of. Yeah, he did tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. What did he watch recently? Uh, Night Mother. It's Sissy Spacek and Anne Bancroft. And uh, mm. it's... Uh, it's heavy. It's okay. a lot, but it's really good. I'm sold by that cast alone. It's just yeah, it's like a chamber like... piece. Um, mm. Long story short, one uh, uh, a daughter lives with her uh, mom, and one night she's just doing her laundry, and she's like, "Hey, mom, I just want to let you know. Um, by the end of the night, I uh, 
to keep it YouTube friendly, I won't be here tomorrow. Mm. Um, and I want to let you know, but I want you to like spend the night with me and we can talk if you want to. And then oh, it's just Jesus. the two of them talking. Yeah. So that sounds great though. That sounds yeah, it's great. If I need a fuck me up movie night, I'll watch that. that oh yeah. Cool. An hour 20. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, my number seven is a Pixar movie. Cause you know, how could I avoid any of, uh, I, I wish I had followed Charlotte's rule of one uh, film per animation studio, but I couldn't really contain myself because um, I have two of my favorite movies of all time are from Pixar. And the first one I'll talk about is Brad Bird's masterpiece, The Incredibles. Mm. Um, Ratatouille was a close second. That movie means a lot to me. Um, but The Incredibles is, is, I just think, is the perfect kids slash adults you know, bridging the gap between kid and adult pictures, I think one of the best of all time. Because um, as a kid, you know, watching that movie, it's like it gave me like a weird window into like the complexities of marriage and like the working, you know, picturesque husband and wife, you know, sort of couple being sort of more of a facade and not like a and not like sort of a realistic depiction of what marriage actually is all dressed up like with a superhero movie. I think it's just so wonderful. And like, I just love so much about it, you know, like the whole seventies, sixties sort of aesthetic and like the music is just so perfect. You know, that jazzy score by um, what's his name? I'm blanking on the composer, um, Michael Giacchino, um, mm. wonderful composer. Um, and just i i'm a i'm a sucker for portraits of family life being true to life and like i have an authentic feeling to them um i'm not a superhero fan at all but this movie you know kind of using that notion of superhero powers you know kind of mirroring the realities and like the emotion most sort of emotional gaps of our characters i think it's such a genius thing to do in a kid's movie i love the animation too i think it's some of their best 2d animation they've ever done and yeah, and I I just think Brad Bird, especially in those early years, was just quite the quite the genius over at uh, Disney Pixar. So, yeah, I had to had to include it. Edna Mode is an icon. <laughs> yes, Edna Mode is the best. Voiced by Brad Bird, also too. So funny. So funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the typical pick, but it was uh, it was a must on my list. So circling back to Charlotte. For number six, what you got? My number six is a movie that Ryan omitted because it's rated PG-13. <laughs> I didn't realize it was rated PG-13. It shouldn't have been, but um, Edward I'm making the ugly. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that was PG-13 either. Yeah, I, I fucking wow. love Edward Scissorhands. I remember oh. watching it when I was like three, I think, and fucking loving it. Um, <laughs> Such a great introduction to like the frankenstein concept and stuff and it's just it's i think it's tim burton's best in my opinion and whatnot it's so beautiful yeah. it i love movies that work both as christmas movies and then halloween movies but aren't really either and stuff um there's just something so like nostalgic about it like it's one of those movies where you watch it as a kid and I think you feel nostalgic for a time that doesn't even exist for you and whatnot. This idea of the, um, what are they? Avon lady and stuff coming to mm. your door and 
beautiful hedge bushes being trimmed and stuff and then also that dark undercurrent of you know societies like that that seem so picturesque but then do these monstrous things um Mm. i think the cinematography is beautiful i think the design is great um winona ryder and johnny depp are both fantastic in it i really wish they would have stayed together and had beautiful babies (laughs) amen (laughs) danny elfman's score for edward scissorhands it's particularly Mm. the uh ice dance um, Mm. piece i fucking love that piece of music like and i love that movie a lot it was one of like those like only reason i really watched it when i was younger was like oh it's rated pg-13 i'm gonna watch this and then i watched it and i was like oh wait this is really good (laughs) yeah the music is absolutely beautiful i love it yes what some would say the quintessential tim burton film out there and i would i would have to say that might be true um just the whole just the design of everything from the world but also to johnny depp's character himself is just like immaculate and just (laughs) one of a kind um i wish he would go back to the practicality of uh edward scissorhands days and 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 beetlejuice days for sure um but yeah i love that's such a good point about burton too is like halloween and christmas kind of marriage together like even in batman returns in a way like i just I, i i fucking love that so much we love tim burton at least early tim burton for sure yes Hey, Ryan. Selene Todd and lower. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't get me started on Sweeney Todd. <laughs> you Good thing, that. or uh, is that a is that a bad uh, rant you you have about it, or is possible? No, listen. However, people want to digest um, pieces of theater, whether it be in a remake that makes all the music sound a little different and takes out anything complicated, or it be mm-hmm. literally on stage. If you like Sweeney Todd, I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> Honestly, I know a lot of people that are like, it's not the show. I was like, yeah, no shit. It's a Tim Burton movie. Isn't it on stage right now? The, um, there's a yeah, revival of it. with Josh Groban right now. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah, fantastic. The new yeah, stage show. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah I, saw I saw it off Broadway. I've seen it four times and it's a long show. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah. Uh, um, on that note, I think you're next, right? Oh, yeah. Shit. My bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So for the majority of six through number one, I don't own physical copies of them, which made me have a full existential crisis of like, what are my priorities? Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, my number six is, um, in my opinion, the funniest um, and probably one of the more underrated Disney films ever released. It is The Emperor's New Groove. I think this film is fucking ridiculously funny. The production of it is an absolute mess. It was it, the way that this movie came out to be what it is was completely like nearly on accident and by chance because there were so many rewrites and like people dropping out and like interference with like the whole plot. It's just so much happened. And for us to even get like the like hour and 10 hour, 15 minutes of comic gold that is delivered straight to your kids ears and there's nothing problematic about it. It's a like it's like a buddy like cop movie or like an odd couple movie for kids and oh guess what one of the characters is a fucking llama so it's <laughs> Eartha Kitt's fantastic Patrick Wahlberg I believe is um the actor Kronk. who plays Kronk he's incredible uh, yeah 
David Spade. I, I'm trying not to look at the page, trying to be a tryhard. I literally just could, but they're all yeah, incredible. Like um, and I just think it's a really solid um, comedy that works on a lot of levels. And I think it's really ahead of its time. So I'd go with that one. Totally. It is. I think it's like the most jokes per minute, you know, Disney film that there is. It is just so fucking funny. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely oh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's such high energy comedy too. And I love that, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like the unrelenting. I, I, I might it's watch that. Non- it's, it's nonstop. <laughs> is there a sequel to it? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Fuck, I was going to get the Blu-ray. There's Kronk's New Groove. Right, that's what it's called, Kronk. Yeah. There Which, was a TV show, too, wasn't there? There, there certainly was. was. indeed. I remember <laughs> that, too. Emperor's New School. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. We love a school show, don't we? Oh, how could we forget? Oh. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. Um, uh, so my number f- six, excuse me, mm-hmm. Um another it's a Disney live action film um, starring the wonderful, wonderful Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan freaky Friday. Um, who has not grown up with that movie? If, if they're in our age range, um, <laughs> just on repeat in my house, a lot growing up, just a lot, a lot. And as an adult, even maybe more emotionally resonant um, as I get older, um, just the, the dynamic mother daughter dynamic is so in some ways reminds me a lot of my sister and my mom. Um, so I always, you know, get a, get, get a big kick watching it with the both of them, you know, like kind of similar to like watching lady bird. Cause they're, you know, very bickery bickery. Um, but always come, you know, and hug each other out in the end, which I, I just find is one of the sweetest things ever. Um, is that mother daughter dynamic. So, and funny as hell, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is like, gold like absolute gold in this movie just so fucking like when there's the montage where she gets like her makeup done and a haircut and like buys a whole new wardrobe and drives this kick-ass car like just like the just such a perfect role for her because i've always found her just secretly so fucking funny um and lindsey lohan also just aces in this movie got an amazing early 2000s alt rock soundtrack of course um which they u- utilize a lot uh chad michael murray's fucking hot as hell in this movie of course it's just got everything um for you know a kid's live action disney movie uh just a wonderful life-affirming message towards the end and just i'm, I'm a sucker for sort of heightened comedies like that so yeah freaky friday's the best <laughs> oh yeah and it's a remake yeah, I was gonna say uh, the remake is also very good. Is it Jodie Foster? Is the is she? I, know, I believe someone's in the, yeah, someone. Oh, famous, Jodie Foster it? was the original one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jodie yeah. Foster plays the daughter. Uh, in the I've original. never seen it. Uh, but I love Mark Waters so much, and they're like he did Mean Girls, he did Freaky Friday, something else. Um, but uh, yeah, just just a movie that I'll, I'll watch forever. So hell yeah. Welcome back to the Kino Family Films episode. Um, we're we're in the top five now, so getting to the. I didn't really rank my movies in terms of you know any sort of preference, but 
I would yeah. say my five to one are my favorites of these. So I oh, get yeah. really real passionate about these top five. So yeah, hi. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte, you can kick us off with your number five. Number five is one of my favorite movies um, of all time. I think it's, you know, a children's movie for adults or a movie more so about childhood. And I don't feel like we have that many great ones of those. Um, it's Spike Jones's um, Where the Wild Things Are, um, which I have a plushie of. Um, oh, amazing. Based off of Maurice Sundak's um fantastic um children's mm. book and stuff and i think this is really you know the prime example of how you adapt a pictures book into a feature-length film and that it is so true to the book but it is also completely its own thing as well and whatnot um the set design the character designs are you know fantastic um so true to Sondat style and whatnot um and then the themes of childhood um being scared um acting out because you're angry and because you're scared because the sun's going to eat the world one day and stuff um or because your parents are going through a messy divorce or all of those things, you know, and thinking about how, like, you know, the ways these affect children and whatnot mm -hmm. are all in it, but done so in a way that, you know, adults, of course, are going to pick up larger, but also in a way that children can understand, I think, is really beautiful. And it's just, you know, I think it's so important for parents to watch films like this because, you know, I think when we're adults, it's so easy to forget what it's like to be a little person in this, you know, world and whatnot. And I think it does a really beautiful job at, you know, displaying that. And, you know, we're all got a little wild thing in us. And who doesn't love the quote, don't go, I'll eat you up. I love you so. Amen. It's a great, quote. It's a great one. I ashamedly haven't seen the Spike Jones adaptation me neither. Oh, so oh, I've always wanted so to. Good. It looks amazing, and the picture book as a kid was one of my absolute favorite books. So I will get on that. Um, and I forgot that was Spike Jones. So when you led with Spike Jones, I'm like, what the fuck is she gonna say? <laughs> John Malkovich. Um, so love that, love that. That's just one of the greatest books I can remember from a kid. So I. No, her Maybe. is my favorite children's movie. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Love Spike Jones is a Good Night Moon adaptation too. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, wait. Uh, um, awesome. Uh, Bri, your number five. Um, uh, my number five. Um, in my opinion, is a masterpiece. It is exactly what. And it'll all make sense in a second. But if you wanted somebody to make a movie out of this show, you would want nothing more and nothing less than what Steven Hillenburg in 2000 and whatever the fuck, 2004 delivered with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, oh, which nice. is my number five. It is, to me, the reason no other movie 
about SpongeBob or using these characters that work so well on television and have worked so well for over two decades now is because nobody could beat the passion and the voice cast and the songwriting and just like the full like grown characters because this the movie was initially supposed to be like kind of like a series finale farewell before they can't before like they stopped the show but it was renewed because of how successful it was and it's kind of insane to also think that for as well as it flows this is the director's first feature film ever like Mm -hmm. and i just think that uh they were robbed for uh, at least a nomination at the oscars i i get it it's the fucking spongebob movie but like there's some good shit in there so that's my number five The Jimmy Neutron movie got an Oscar nomination. Why couldn't the SpongeBob movie gotten it? You know, exactly. It's not like they were unfamiliar with fucking Nickelodeon. (laughs) One of the most iconic videos from the Oscars is like when Shrek won Best Animated Feature, and they pan to like Jimmy Neutron animated in the crowd. I was like, wait, what the fuck? That got nominated. Um, So funny. So funny to me. Yeah, Uh, but amazing movie. Of course, I I love that movie too. Kind of gives you every every bit of you know SpongeBob wonder in one package. So how could Absolutely. you not? You know, um, and just perfectly paced, yada yada yada. All that. it's so good. Um, it looks really good for a SpongeBob yes. movie too. Oh my goodness! Yeah, forgot, especially from yeah. two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see that in theaters? Were you old enough to uh, go to the theaters? I, I was not. I was five. And mm. I didn't actually start watching SpongeBob till like fifth grade. Mm. And then I was like, oh, this shit's funny. <laughs> I guess the rest is history. The rest is history. That was like, I was seven when that came out. And I remember my parents are, you know, more on the conservative side. So they were, yes, like, I knew people whose parents would not let them watch yeah. SpongeBob. And I was like, Katie, my mom said, I was like, don't listen to them. Like, yeah. you should, <laughs> you should, they shouldn't. Yeah. But like, I would sneak. SpongeBob into my TV rotation behind their backs, and when the movie had came out, I I think I got invited to like to see it with somebody, and they were just like very they protested pretty hard, so I didn't see it till it came out on DVD and fucking loved it. No, maybe Jake <laughs> getting not getting to go to the fucking birthday party. <laughs> I know what, what a hell? what a travesty, right? Um, Did SpongeBob make you guys gay? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was who the fuck knows SpongeBob. What always. you what? I was always relating to SpongeBob, and usually my mm. friends, the people that I usually tend to hang out with, um, usually relate to Patrick quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Mr. Krabs. Bye, Squidward. <laughs> Bye, Squidward. You said Squidward twice. I, I like, like Squidward. Squidward. <laughs> that was the moment we all knew. We all were like, "Holy oh. shit." SpongeBob, God bless him. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Kenny. Mm-hmm. So we love Tom Kenny. We love we love Ice King. SpongeBob literally <laughs> yeah. premiered the year I was born. What year was ninety nine? Yeah. Oh wow! Shit. Fucking fetus. In. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't get into it now. We'll do it after the list. Okay. <laughs> I I'm hanging on that. Yeah, I'm excited to know what that is. But my number film, my number five film is also, <laughs> I believe, a masterpiece. Oh, um, shit. I, it is part of the Disney Renaissance era that I 
grew up loving. Um, it is 1991's Beauty and the Beast, um, which um, was always just on repeat as a kid. Um, but I think is I, in hindsight, I think is Disney's best representation of a princess, just because Belle is very, she's very. Well, first, she's like she's illiterate. She she loves to read. She promotes literature, which I think is really cool. Um, she's really selfless. Like she everything she does is like in favor, like of her father and the town she lives in. She's just like the perfect role model, I think, for like young, not just young girls, but just kids in general. Um, and she's she's just the best. And the movie itself, I just think is flawless in every way the animation the music is just to die for the the whole the whole set and the design of the of the castle is just like ah just incredible and just so dark and and mysterious but also gets so vibrant at times as like as the emotions of the beast sort of come out of him which it's always so beautiful to me and my favorite disney villain of all time might be controversial but it is gaston for sure is my favorite he's just so fucking funny that machismo sort of attitude and like the fact that he eats like four dozen eggs every day um his musical number is absolutely amazing um i could go on i just love this movie i think it's pitch perfect like disney pop entertainment and so much richness for both kids and and adults alike um just the best just the best (laughs) That's fucking awesome. It was nominated for Best Picture, dude. It's the first animated movie, right, to be nominated yeah, for Best Picture. That, which is well, nuts. So well-deserved, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the remake. Uh, I would, yeah, no, I'm actually not going to say anything about that. But <laughs> I was very yeah. upset. I'm so upset that they just they remade that, like, first and foremost. Like, the one perfect Disney princess movie, in my opinion whatever what the fuck ever what the um, fuck? we'll try to be optimistic about disney today <laughs> um, charlotte uh number four please number four is Coraline. um oh i think God. the animation in this movie is so fucking good like stop motion at its best in my opinion um it really embodies that essence of like the uncanny both in its like you know themes and in its um aesthetic i think you know with the it's so interesting to see these dolls being creeped out by dolls it's like so meta in that weird way um i think it's a better than the book if i'm being honest um I just think there's so much richness to this movie and it's aesthetic. And then also just like, you know, that I feel like all children sort of have like that wish of like, you know, what if we could go to another place that is exactly like this one, but absolutely better in every way. And then like, like, take that childhood wish and just sort of twist it to be something awful is like so fucked up but i love it <laughs> i do too i love it to death it's a uh, great movie yeah Leica is uh they're doing the, the lord's work if you ask me like everything they've everything i've seen they've done is just absolutely fantastic but i think Coraline is their magnum opus um 
And yeah, that movie, another window into my family. That was another movie. My sister really was like dying to go see it. And my mom was like, no, I heard that they 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 sew the mom's like eyes shut and stuff like that, <laughs> like really graphic imagery. And she didn't let my my sister see it till like way later. Um, <laughs> and it became like her favorite. It's like one of her favorite films. So shout out to Selena. Um, hey. <laughs> that movie's a masterpiece, though, in my opinion. It is just immaculate what they accomplished with it. Just so so good. Uh, yeah, Rye, you're number four. All right, my number four is a Disney film from 2002. Um, it is one that I've seen countless times. I've rewatched it twice recently, including like two days ago. Um, it has an almost, maybe this is controversial for me to say, almost nonverbal protagonist, or at least um, secondary protagonist, um, which... Take, which means a lot for like a film to have such an impact on, I think a lot of people and a character to not only be funny, but also immensely relatable and not, not really very verbal in a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Something that I think is overlooked far too often. Uh, my number yeah. four is um, probably one of my favorite Disney movies ever, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it takes a pretty like nuanced and realistic look at like how human beings act in situations like Nani and Lilo are sisters and Nani has to take over as a mother figure for like a young girl who already has a lot of troubles that you can kind of tell there were troubles prior to this um, accident and makes it sound really dark in my reading of it. But um there's a lot of like really incredible images in this film, including um, Stitch getting into the first bed he ever had and reading the ugly duckling and feeling uh-huh. that human emotion that everyone on earth can relate to. And now that he's home, it's like, it's super like, it's adorable. I think it's really funny. I think the watercolor aesthetic art animation for like underwater and the creature designs, I just think it's great. Um, I have, this but hey nice yeah. <laughs> that's my pick love that. i also i love that movie quite a bit growing up um i always got a kick out of uh the two aliens that are like dispatched to go get him it's like quickly and jumba there you go thank you, you yeah go. those guys are a riot um i was definitely more of a quickly <laughs> um quickly <laughs> is a trans icon yes <laughs> Charlie out here spitting facts, <laughs> as always. Uh, lovely movie. Um, I didn't even think about that until you, I haven't seen it in forever. But like the whole notion of like that that guardianship that her sister has over her, it's like, and there's like really dark in- implications you didn't think about. Um, yeah, I never really thought about that. That's really cool that they did that. Yeah, rewatch um, it. It's like it's mm-hmm. literally about like a fam, a broken like a currently broken family trying to pick up the pieces before child protective services and aliens come and ruin their lives and it's and then it all gets wrapped up in 80 minutes or something it's just like how do they make it work so well isn't the (laughs) dcfs person like uh his name's like mr bubbles or something oh yes cobra bubbles Bubbles. (laughs) i love that that's so funny um yeah i i also i love that movie so much as a kid i even watched the 
TV show that was like subsequent uh, on oh, Disney. Yes. I think I watched oh, that yes. too. <laughs> Love that. There was oh, my boy. favorite alien was the guy who uh, who's obsessed with sandwiches. I forgot his name. <laughs> Bruh, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. I- I remember playing that game on DisneyChannel.com where you'd have to make the sandwiches with him running around. That was <laughs> the best fucking game. Yeah, I remember oh. that too. Oh god, the good old days of Disney Channel games online. Fuck. Mm. I'm just Love. gonna fucking yeah. become a Twitch streamer yeah. and play Disney Channel games and get sued immediately. <laughs> they were, I would watch though till they sue you. I mean, you're a real <laughs> you're a real one. Of course. Um uh, <laughs> all right. Uh my number four, uh we do a lot of talk about Roald Dahl. Um, and my my favorite adaptation they ever did is uncontroversially uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I'm sorry. I know you were to say another one. <laughs> I love that one. Too. Bro, edit that shit out. That was embarrassing. No, that would. <laughs> I led you on. I'm so sorry, Ray. No, you're um, good. <laughs> but Willy Wonka, um, just absolute <laughs> perfection. Um, also, Rye, uh, I have a little, I have a little theater in my repertoire. I was in the school play as uh, Oompa Loompa number five, okay. so I have Bro, some experience. <laughs> I know all the words to the Oompa Loompa songs, or at least I did. Um, so, I you know, have to old... ask you. I go have ahead, to ask you. Do you know, like, what was your voice range? Like, what were you like? Pretty similar to what I w- I'm saying, uh, how I'm talking about right now. Like whatever octave this is. Oh, see, so, so it worked, you know. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, number five. Hey, you don't you don't think about number five until number four kicks it. <laughs> so there were six of us, so I was at God the damn it, really? the- <laughs> were it any was- of you actual dwarves. <laughs> Maybe in height range, probably yeah. Mm. We were eighth grade. We were hitting the cusp of our of just our, uh, like Hugh Grant, just like Hugh Jobs, <laughs> <laughs> taking fucking uh from Deep Roy. Like what a piece of shit. Um, but yes, uh, the original. I think that Gene Wilder was a treasure. Um, just the best, the best. I mean, we'll see with Timothy. Who knows? But the best uh, <laughs> portrait of of Willy Wonka you could ever imagine, and. I think um, I mean, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Tim Burton's adaptation, even though it is very thematically like linked to the original Roald Dahl book. But the wonderment of the original film, I just think is so ingrained in my sort of uh, mushy and uh, <laughs> uh, just sensibilities, you know, softy sensibilities, I guess. I just think it's a wonderful it's a movie that makes me smile every time I watch it. Um, and the design of the chocolate factory is like, uh, couldn't ask for a better, better set design ever. And just the music, I mean, um, obviously so iconic. Um, I was an Oompa Loompa, I will say again. So the music means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, goddamn, what more can I say? It's Willy Wonka. I know Carlos also, he, he loves this film. So shout out to you, sir. I know you love uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's it. Imagination <laughs> is just like a staple of like Hollywood music, in mm. my opinion. I think that's a fantastic song. Oh my song. god, I cried the last time that I watched that. Oh. That came on. Like, yes, just Absolutely. like he starts eat drinking from the teacup and then he eats it. I'm just like, stop it. 
that scene is imprinted on my mind. I wanted to eat that lemon tea cup. So bad. <laughs> same, same. Do you guys uh, do you like the Johnny Depp iteration of Charlie but, and the Chocolate Factory? Fucking hate it. It's the downfall of Tim Burton. It really is. I agree. I unfortunately remember seeing the remake more than the original to the disdain of, I think, everybody. I don't think anybody was pleased that I was watching that one, but <laughs> I think I did. But I love Gene Wilder. He's, I almost mm. called him Gene Hackman. I don't know what the fuck's going on with me. <laughs> Gene Hackman's Willy Wonka. I would love that. Who the fuck is Gene Hackman? Gene Hackman? Yeah, I don't remember. He's he's then. fucking the the dad of the Tenenbaums, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> I still haven't seen her. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but just picturing that masculine persona of Gene Hackman in the '70s play Willy Wonka, I love that. Um, That'd be so hype. But yes, we're not a we're not a fan of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory here for the most part, which which I love. So thank God. Okay. Johnny Depp reminds me too much of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a very, there's a very. Uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was something evil about that movie. <laughs> there was something up with that movie. There, there's something with deeply. the dentist scenes. I said everything <laughs> in this room is edible, including you, my dear children. But that is considered cannibalism, which is frowned upon in most societies. Burned into my. You could literally pull up my shirt, and my tramp stamp would be word for word what you just said. That I. That and the Earth says hello, or the Sun says hello. Good morning, Starshine. <laughs> That's when we all like, knew the movie was fucked. Like that line reading was. Like, um, also, the opening with like the the mini the miniatures like doing that song. I'm like, this movie's fucked. It's like yeah, so clear. It was. Uh, it was a lot. But we digress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, you know, I don't want to shit talk Timmy too much, but um, no, we we love Tim. We love Tim. We love him. We um, love him, but I, I like I'm a diehard stand, but I don't see it working out well. Oh, I would say Tim Burton, but yeah, <laughs> I don't. I think I agree though. Oh, same. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's gonna be singing. I hope he doesn't sing because Jake, I mean, that's a wake rip. up! It's a musical. <laughs> but like literally everyone else could sing besides him and that would be no 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 remember happy. that first clip i need my fucking head to not be cut off remember that first clip that was ever released what like when filming started and he's on that fucking horse or something singing and oh, it true, sounded true and it sounded boo-boo nasty i was like they better <laughs> auto-boot they're gonna yeah they're gonna modify the shit out of his voice it seems like but yeah to me has want... that um constant in between puberty voice <laughs> yeah even you watch doom and it's like oh like, oh. like all over the map um God bless all, i do want i want a hugh grant uh uh musical number just like similar to paddington 2 like i would love that um, so anyhow uh number uh charlotte you're next at uh, number three yes. my number three i think is what rye thought your number four was going to be it's <laughs> My personal favorite old doll adaptation. It's Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Love mm. movies about small animals taking on capitalist tyrants. Um, <laughs> it just encapsulates autumn for me. Not 
Halloween, but autumn, like we watch this every year for Thanksgiving in my family. And it's so delightful. The cast is amazing. Uh, The voice cast is so good. Wes Anderson's Mm. direction is impeccable. Um, The set and creature designs is great and i think it um could have been creepy but somehow avoids that which i feel is sometimes really Mm. hard to do with stop motion um yeah i don't know what else to say it's a perfect movie in my opinion hell yeah it is a perfect movie it is um and i think uh our you can make the argument is wes anderson's magnum opus as well um Definitely the film I've rewatched the most out of all of his filmography. So same. Tied um, with the Royal Tenenbaums for me. Yes. Yeah. Those are my top two as well. I just want to Ra- put it on the record that uh, Life Aquatic is his best. Oh. Are, go, you, uh, are you standing for Carlos right now? No, I'm standing for myself. <laughs> uh, okay. Carlos is just there. No, I love that movie. It is okay. great. No, it's a great one. I, I thought you were going to say French Dispatch, you know, with the fact that you have a giant ass poster right next Listen, to Listen, I used to work at a movie theater and got free posters. I'm still puzzled why it's up there. You can give it to me. I like the movie. I like that movie a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not to go on a well, tangent about Wes Anderson, but do you guys, did you guys like uh, Asteroid City? I no. loved Asteroid City. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite, but I, I love all Same. of these movies. I even love Isle of Dogs for fuck's sake. I like <laughs> I Isle of Dogs. That, I, I, I don't like um, Rushmore. I fucking hate Rushmore. <laughs> That's fair. She's too sociopathic. <laughs> the only ones that haven't really gelled with me are uh, Asteroid City hmm. and controversially Grand Budapest Hotel, which I still haven't rewatched in a couple of years, but I gave it like a 5 out of 10 when I first saw it. Ooh, wow. <laughs> You're the first human being that said the utter those words, I think. Hey, listen. I don't Symmetry's like Symmetry's nice. No, nah, I'm kidding. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that for all his movies though. True, true. true. Symmetry's cool. Yeah. Um the uh, bottle it's only really Bottle Rocket and Isle of Dogs that I'm not like crazy on, um even though they have some great things about them, but I thought Asteroid City was lovely and just such a great like deconstruction on filmmaking and stuff and i i, I thought you would like it right because the whole theater aspect being part of the near the meta stuff you know i know uh, i think i do need to rewatch it and i put that out there like i need to rewatch this but it was not what i was expecting and it felt mm-hmm. so wes anderson anderson that i was like <laughs> like struggling to understand what was happening so it's like wes, wes anderson put you in a chokehold literally sort of, yeah <laughs> yeah I get you. Um, Also, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I really hope Henry Sugar is good. Speaking of Roald Dahl (laughs) and Wes Anderson. Yes. Yes. Isn't that that's been released later this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, On Netflix, I believe. Yes. I love God. I can't wait. Um, Rise, your next film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, by chance? No, it is not. Um, My number three film is had to be on here because it was truly my first childhood obsession. I would watch the shit out of this VHS tape. I would break them because I'd watched them so many times. I was incessant. I think that 
the music and the animation, e- even though it was worked on by Disney's B team at the time, while everyone else is working on another film called Pocahontas, um, I think that this still rises above a lot of. I don't even know if just if just Disney movies, but I'm also like, you know, I'm a little tired, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> my number three is from 1994, and it is The Lion King. Um, I think the music with Tim Rice and Elton John is incredible. I think the animation's incredible. I think, like, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick and fucking jeremy irons Mm. all of them just made such iconic characters through their voices alone yeah and i think they just it's just a a almost perfect movie i think it takes some um material that is um pretty nuanced i mean it is it is basically hamlet and even if you don't haven't read hamlet you can you know it's hamlet like it's pretty bare bones like you you understand that it is pretty Shakespearean in its tone, but it still takes like this musical theater route with it, this Disney Renaissance route, this Elton John power ballad route at some points, but it works. And uh, Simba's was like my favorite kid, grow- uh, my favorite character growing up as a kid or whatever. So I think it's great. So it's my number three. Awesome. What's your favorite uh, musical number in that movie? Um, honestly, I really fuck with, oh God, I'm just gonna, I, I fuck with Be Prepared a lot, and that's a good song, minus mm. the Nazi symbolism that they use, yeah. <laughs> it's a little heavy handed, I, uh, I was like, okay, I know Walt's dead and you're trying to keep his legacy, but like, calm down, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, um, I really like Can You Feel the Love, and I like, um, awesome, yeah. You know that that song that I can't think about. That really sure. Won't. My favorite would always uh, be uh, "Can't Wait to Be King." Oh, um, banger! Just like the imagery and all the animals, and it's just like fuck fucking yeah. immaculate. Yeah. Um, also, fuck the remake for ruining "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" as well. <laughs> fuck the remake for existing. Existing, yeah, exactly. That's so stupid. Uh, what's the uh, point of making a live action <laughs> cgi remake they're like hey I'll, guys I'll never know. all new technology we totally aren't using the same technology fucking uh what's that goddamn penguin movie with happy, the feet. happy feet no the other one surf's up oh surf's up it's literally yeah. the same technology as that and am i relaying information from fucking yms yes am <laughs> oh, i ashamed of it a little bit yeah you should be yeah. It's okay. been a minute. Okay. <laughs> Just stand in the corner and think about what you've done, Ryan. I have to get some water. It's absolutely <laughs> you need a Cinnabum's timeout. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna get some water. I'll be right back. All right, all right. We'll we'll pause for you. Do, do, do. I thought you were joking, then you actually walked out of the room. <laughs> what do you have behind you, Charlotte? What's uh like what's on the top shelf there? Um, let's see here. I see we an have, owl. We have owls. We have an alligator thermometer from like probably the 60s. We <laughs> have um, various bips and bobs, trolls, totoros, 
Sweet. Blu-rays, movies, mm-hmm. stuffed animals, potatoes. W- potatoes. You're very well uh, read over there, I could tell. Mm-hmm. This is where I put my smart people books at. <laughs> on display for all the people to think you're smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Think who's smart? Not you, Ryan. No. <laughs> but I fucking thought. <laughs> I almost I poured you're... my water all over my laptop. That'd be a, that would be bad, but <laughs> <laughs> you're back. You're good. I'm good. Okay. Are you hydrated? Right. I am. <clears throat> okay. Um, so that, that was your number three, right? Yes, that was my number three. Okay. My number three is uh, my second Pixar film from this list. Um, Toy Story 2, which I don't know if that's controversial to say that's the best Toy Story film in the franchise or not. We had a deep conversation about that with Carlos uh, on our Comfort Movies episode. I know also Blair is a big advocate for that film as well, but Toy Story 2 is was um, similar to what you said with Lion King. I, I just wore the shit out of that uh, VHS tape as a kid. Um, it was like, I think it came up really around the time I was born. So it's like always been in my subconscious. And I think I think Toy Story 1 is a perfect film, but like this really elevates the sort of characters and the the world and the theme just to a whole nother level and just you know we love Joan Cusack and her joining the cast which is a plus in my opinion um and yeah like I, I don't want to keep repeating myself about that movie on this podcast but like I just think it's the perfect uh Pixar film and in, in terms of like what they're what they set out to explore in terms of you know youth and sort of relating themselves back to the you know young minds that they used to have um, getting really existential with it later on and with one of the greatest montages ever um, with that Randy Newman song uh, or I'm sorry, whatever. I forgot who sang the When She Loved Me song is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just takes my breath away. Um, and it, it will always just be my favorite Pixar film. So that, that's why I had to pick it. And um, I, I, and my favorite Toy Story film out of the out of the four that have come out so yeah shout out to sarah mclaughlin that's that's who it is god i'm like who's the sad ass you know lady singer that's queen of sad songs yeah couldn't think of it um god that song just breaks me in half even more than the dog commercials would honestly (laughs) that shit hurt it shit hurts deep Am I the only one that has mentioned Pixar? Am I fucking a, am I a sellout on this podcast? No, I think so far, yeah, and I don't know how because I love Pixar too. I'm just a basic ass motherfucker, I guess. But I, I had to rip now. teeth out, not to mention Ratatouille. Well, I think Ooh. that was someone will be <laughs> someone will be talking about that soon. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Charlotte, a uh, number two. Yes, my number two is The Last Unicorn. I love fantasy movies. It's really interesting that this was made by the people who did, um, it's done by Rankin Bass, who did like all the classic stop motion Christmas movies, Mm. like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, And it's like totally different from anything else they've 
done and whatnot. It's just, you know, a perfect, like, high fantasy. The animation is beautiful. Um, a lot of people, I think, who went on to work for um, Ghibli actually worked on the animation for this film because they outsourced in Japan for Toei, I think. Um, it's incredibly quotable. Um, this idea of being this immortal beast and then becoming a human and feeling your flesh dying around you is like terrifying and really like says something about the horrors and beauty of being a human and the idea of being the only person out there like you um left and whatnot i don't know it's an amazing film i think um i i even really like the soundtrack by i think it's america who did it um it's fun um the voice acting is great mia pharaoh's amazing in it as the unicorn um it's beautiful oh yeah sweet i i need to get on that i mean you sold me at the frosty the snowman and santa claus stuff <laughs> Like those are huge when I was I loved those so much. Oh as a god, kid, yeah. So Same so fucking here. good. So fucking good. So I will that's been uh I feel like that's kind of come out as more of a cult, you know, movie as time goes on. Like a lot of I've met a lot of people who have good taste like you that are like love that movie. So that's on my list for sure. Ry, have you seen it? I've not. Yeah. I know it has been on my watch list a long uh quite a while because I know Charlotte loves it. Um, I just haven't seen it yet because I don't have a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> now you do. We we both do now. It's one of those movies that I watched as a child, completely forgot about it. And then I think I rewatched it as either a teenager or an adult and like completely fell back in love with it. And like, it's so great when that happens and like you know you have those little fragmented memories of that yes. thing that you're not quite sure what it is and whatnot and then you rediscover it and it's just as good as you remember because so often it's not at all oh god yeah 100 percent. do you guys have any examples of something that absolutely does not hold up for when you were a kid um I feel like I'll get a lot of shit for saying it, and I still do love it. Like, but like only for nostalgia reasons. But um, it's name Halloween <laughs> Town. I fucking loved Halloween oh. Town as a kid. My absolute favorite Disney franchise, and I watched a couple years ago, <laughs> and I was like, "It's a sort of tall shit," but I love it anyways. <laughs> it's camp. Leave it alone. I I, I want to keep Halloween Town been good in my head so i don't think i would rewatch it either but <laughs> what a fuck yeah that's a good answer like a lot of those disney channel was that a disney channel original film like a lot of those yeah. were like fucking so perfect as a kid and then you rewatch them and you're like what what was my brain like thinking when i was you know that age but i'm gonna be controversial yeah. i rewatched high school musical 2 recently uh <sighs> it still holds up it I does. want fabulous. It is my simple <laughs> request. It's perfect. Yeah, how could you oh. uh, diss Sharpay like that, dude? <sighs> I love Sharpay. <laughs> and a little gay boy. Her gay brother. God bless him. 
If you don't think Sharpay was the best part of the High School Musical franchise, then I don't know what crack you're smoking. <laughs> I don't like how the third movie gave her gay brother a love interest in the end from a from a girl who's clearly a lesbian too. Like fucking bullshit. Some fucking, some tomfoolery, cockadoodle bullshit. Just stick bullshit. the two queer characters together. Fucking cowards. But that was her. a beard. If I ever seen one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kenny Ortega, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of one myself. Um, fucking, I might be also controversial, but because uh, we were talking about this in the Discord recently, but robots is such an amazing like product of its time. But and like I loved it as a kid, and you rewatch it, it's like the most scatterbrained shit, like so <laughs> insane. Like I, it, it's fun to watch, but it's like a horrendous movie, and I, I, Fanny. people might come at me for that one, bro. R.I.P. Robin, do go ahead. Sorry, I don't know. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Um, <laughs> I think the National Treasures movies mm, were that's, a, that's another good incredible one. as child as a child. I haven't seen them recently, so I can't tell you if they're bad or not. But, but yeah. I'm that sure they're pretty bad. I'm yeah. sure they are. I'm sure they are. The fucking live action Grinch movie. Like, Oof. how dare I you? I loved it as a kid. Me but too. Like, Jim I really watched it and I was like, this is like the horniest fucking movie ever. There's a reference <laughs> to a goddamn key party. True. Fuck, I never noticed that. Uh, God. Jim, speaking of Jim Carrey, I, the Cat in the Hat movie was like cracked me the fuck up as a kid, and yes. you watch it now, and it's a terrifying nightmare. Yeah, um, it's horrible. Jim That's Carrey was imagine doing salvias, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the designs of that movie are still pretty wacky and fun, but like everything else is like Jim Carrey should go to jail for that type performance, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, right, you were next, right? Yeah, am I at number two? You're number two. My number two is a film that um, is my sister's, one of my sister's favorite movies. Um, shout out to Megan. Um, it's one that I saw it when it first came out. I liked it, but as a kid, I didn't fully understand. what. Like, I know there was something going on in certain scenes, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Until honestly, a couple of rewatches ago, and like just last rewatch, it's uh, from 2007. It is directed by Brad Bird, and it is Ratatouille. Um, I think, I mean, while it is a bit on the nose and with its, mm-hmm. um, I guess, messaging, I think the concept, the setting, the animation, the voice acting the successful attempts at giving nuance and like interesting dynamics with like the food critic and like the flashback sequence, which I know a lot of film bros are like, bro, it's so it's great. I also think (laughs) it's great, but I think it ranks, it ranks so high for me as a family or a kid's film because of the way that it does handle, um, feelings of like isolation and like not living up to your family and like 
following your passions and your hobbies and like how sometimes following your passion and what you're what you feel most like in love with in your life often means you sometimes means you have to cut ties with people that you thought would never cut ties with. Yeah. And just kind of like being seen as like who you really are and like how it's not really about cooking. It's about like anything that you would put your mind to. And like, so I think it's really well-made and especially on a rewatch, I think it's incredible. So uh, yeah, Brad Bird's Ratatouille is my number two. My favorite CGI film. Yes. It's a wonderful film. Um, yeah, that was uh, actually a similar experience to you because, like, my sister also shout out to her, the one that loves Coraline, uh, loves that it's like her favorite movie of all time. And I always liked it, but then like rewatching it over time, I'm like, this movie's genius. Just like, mm-hmm. and such a such an atmosphere that I just want to keep going back to, like, kind of neo French uh, kind of feeling that just so just so uh so wonderful you know like so the, the, cramped, the, the cramped apartments and yeah all that stuff i just love yes la festin is a banging song so good <laughs> yeah it is yeah, yeah. Um, i feel like they made that movie for the gay kids who watched um food network when they were like three <laughs> yes come on <laughs> which i definitely was so period god that that movie like made me want to try go to like a French bistro and try Ratatouille so much as a kid. Like God, <laughs> that was influential. Um, so yummy. Also, like the Anton Ego scene when he eats the Ratatouille is like top five tear jerkers for me. Like whenever yes. I see that, it's fucking oh, so gorgeous. Yeah, it's oh. right up there with like the spirited away buffet scene in oh, the beginning for like yeah. top food scenes and movies. Mm, the buffet scene is great. Yeah. Also, um, not to like drag it on, but something I would add also <laughs> even to like me talking about Lilo and Stitch is I really appreciate films that incorporate like themes of like chosen families mm. because especially like I mean, with Disney, who, like, I, listen, no one knows what their prerogative is. No one knows, like, what their agenda is. But they have released quite a few films that deal with subjects that, while they are universal, a lot of queer people can connect to them. Like, with Chosen Family, like, Lilo and Stitch literally is about, like, choosing your own family and, like, tying in, like, Ohana and everything, which I think is really beautiful. Like, I I guess, like, that's the only, I I just wanted to, like, add that in there before i moved on i guess no yeah that's a great point um i would almost attribute that to like brad bird and whoever wrote lilo and Sp- stitch even because like oh yeah i think so too authenticity you know i don't, would never come from a big corporation, corporation. like disney yeah. oh 100 yeah not to not to attack those fuckers again but it's true you know uh, like, even the latest pixar movies like you can't like i'm, so. I'm he, he, uh, <laughs> which ones specifically uh, Lightyear sucked. Um, Elemental, I heard, was yeah. okay. Uh, I was going to praise mainly Turning Red and uh, Luca because I thought those were... I thought Luca was real cute. I like Luca. Those I felt love both it, of those. I love them a lot. because Mainly because they felt like more like auteur pieces and like slices of these people's childhoods versus like a universality like soul that's just like... Which I like, but it's like, let's deal with mortality. And this is like, oh, no, let's just talk let's about my out. shitty let's upbringing. Yeah. Be a little gay, you know. 
Luca's very gay, which I which was great. Um, I love really... how different Luca and Turning Red are too, creatively. Mm-hmm. Like they remind me of those early two thousand Disney movies that sort of just stood yeah. out from the traditional Disney canon. And I hope yeah. we see more of that from them. Absolutely, I, I haven't seen Elemental either yet, but I I heard it's a big pile of nothing. <laughs> uh, mainly, <laughs> what if fire and water fell in love? <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be an allegory. It's called The Sea Prince and the Fire Child. It's an anime from the 80s. It's great. Watch that. Period. That sounds like Kino. Absolutely. Um, that's sort of like Zootopia where they're just trying to ham fist these very, like, very, very on the nose messaging to kids. And it's just like, and then becoming ham fisted, you know? There's the wide population or demographic of white people that saw that movie and refuse to admit that it has to do anything with race relations in America. Yeah. <laughs> so it failed on multiple. Like it's fronts. about a yeah. bunch of fucking animals, guys. Don't politicize the movie, guys. I'm like. <laughs> anyways. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was such a 2016 rant there, but <laughs> I miss a those cab days. Includes Judy Hopps and Paw Patrol. we got a lot of clapping today i'm so sorry no no it's okay it's it's what we're here to do it's all right um my number two is i think one of the greatest movies ever made it was the first movie i remember one of the first movies i remember just absolutely loving uh my parents shout out to them for exposing me at such an early age to the wonderful delightful wizard of oz Starring mm-hmm. the incredible Judy Garland, um, among many other talented people, and just one of the finest films ever made, in my opinion. Like, and just colorful beyond measures, and you know, I think inarguably some of the greatest musical sequences ever made. And like, follow the yellow brick road is like such a banger, and they just they they never stop. Um, and yeah, like just such a just the most simplest of characters just going on an adventure together. It's like exactly my type of shit. And it was when I was five years old and the whole concept of like missing home and like feeling like you belong somewhere else and kind of this fish out of water feeling of that movie just inspired like everything coming out after it. And um, the metaphors that it, it are beneath the surface that I, you know, would come to learn it when I was older. We're always fun to see. Um, the flying monkeys were terrifying. Um, I Just like it's a movie that's so packed to the brim with just so much incredible stuff. Like it's a, it truly has everything. Um, one of the first, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first like really popular Technicolor films and just um, so beautiful to look at in every way. And Judy Garland was is remains one of my favorite performers of all time. And I think that, you know, along with a few others, is her finest uh, work on screen and one of the most timeless movies I think that's ever been made. Um, And was, I think, you can love as a kid, but you also love, you know, like on your deathbed type movie. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, just the perfect movie. Do you guys stand? I stand. The Wicked Witch of the West was like an icon of my childhood. (laughs) She's the the first time I was ever allowed to go out dressed up as a girl was when I was three as a witch for Halloween. Yes. That's so that's so amazing. 
I and love she's that. so empathetic. This bitch kills her sister and then steals her shoes, which she is the rightful heir to. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand why she's the villain. <laughs> Period. Who play whoever played her is a fucking killer performance. Like so she's just the, the voice is so iconic and every, yeah. Just so terrifying. Great. Yeah. Rise, you ever seen it that on stage? I imagine um, so. I haven't seen it personally live on stage, but like I love Judy Garland. I think Over the Rainbow is, again, quintessential. Mm. Like, probably maybe the best song ever written for a movie, in my opinion. Just, like, really encapsulates exactly, like, not what the film was going for, but, like, what Hollywood at that time was going for. And Judy Garland's an icon, so. Yes. A tragic, tragic life, tragic production. But, like, the products were, you can take a lot out of even now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um and that I think that's gonna be the oldest film on this list. So um, I'm glad we can get abroad, you know, from the <laughs> yeah, 30, 30s to um, Puss in Boots all the way in 2022. So we got a good spectrum of films for sure. Um, and shit, number one films, uh, Charlotte. What's your number one for the Kino Children's films? My number one is my second favorite film of all time. Um, I remember being like five or four and going into Blockbuster Movie Gallery one with my mom and us acquiring this VHS tape that had a little witch on the cover because I was obsessed with witches when I was a little kid and whatnot. And we rented it and hence stole it and stuff from the movie gallery. Um, <laughs> It's um, Kiki's Delivery Service, which I have a little GG tattoo if I can get it. To oh, it's nice. Love that. Me and my mom got matching ones because <laughs> it was just such a staple of my childhood and such a great movie about finding who you are and whatnot. And Kirsten Dunst is great in the English dub. Um, mm-hmm. It's just everything i want in a movie so slice of life um nothing huge happens in it for real it's more so just a movie about being a person and becoming who you are separated from your family and whatnot um and but also about how you know we're not alone in this world you know kiki definitely relies on her friends throughout the film and whatnot and learns to believe in herself and i just think it's beautiful and perfect and i love it and it's my favorite yes we love that that it's also a perfect film um and one of one of ghibli's best in terms of kids pick movies i think um just so comforting on every Mm -hmm. level um and i assume your stand since you have the the plush oh yeah i I love Ghibli um, very late in life um, per like enjoyer of Ghibli and everything. Cause I never watched them growing up, but um, yeah, I think that film's mm. great. Really great. It's such a great, it, I've used it a lot to cope when I've like, whenever I move to a new place, you know, which is a underlying sort of theme that the movie's about, like <laughs> just moving to a new place, kind of getting out of your comfort zone um, and, and spreading your wings or whatever is that that movie has always been a comfort to me like when i went to college and moved out to my own you know out in the a big city and stuff like that's such a great 
movie to capture the essence of like all that, you know, meeting new friends and dealing with the anxieties of like alienation and stuff like that. So it's just, yeah. It looks no, okay to not always be at 100% and stuff. And it's okay that you're going through a writer's block or artist's block or a flying block, like in the movie and stuff. Like that's just part of life and you move on and you learn to deal with it. And I think that's something that I think a lot of us struggle with. And it's really great to have something that introduces us to that idea so early on. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think I loved, I at least like to think that Hayao Miyazaki conceived of that movie when he was having like deep writer's block in a way, maybe (laughs) was feeling like, not entirely confident in his abilities as like a human being and like that's how he conceived of that and i just think that's so fucking beautiful to think about you know just so so much humanity injected into that movie um so yeah amazing amazing pick uh and rye i have a feeling what your number one is but you know let Um, us know my number one is from 2001 Sorry, it was loading really slowly. Sorry. Um, it is also a Studio Ghibli film. It is often held as their masterpiece. It is for sure their most critically acclaimed film as it won uh, a foreign, an animated film Oscar. Yes. Um, which is very rare for a foreign film. Um, it is uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Um, the world building, the animation the attention to detail, the writing, not to just like be that guy that lists things and lets y'all fill in the blank. But I think Hayao Miyazaki's attempt to write a story about and for a demographic that he, in his opinion, and I think in everyone's agreed opinion, uh, 10 year old girls are not often uh, given substantial art to digest as they grow up. And um, Hayao Miyazaki wanted to write a story about, um, to, to his best ability as a, as a man. But um, <laughs> I think he did a fantastic job. I think it is a wonderful film. And I think it is quite honestly a masterpiece. And I have this little fucking guy, which you can't see anymore. Yay, little yes. guys. Yeah. No kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Barnes and Noble, thanks, babe. I was gonna say you guys took a trip to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> we, we have, yes, hell yeah, um, yeah, a masterpiece, uh, like you said. Um, I think I always watched that movie later on, and it became such like a spiritual experience watching that movie. I don't know, like it was so fucking. It always just brought me to another place um which i say a lot of studio ghibli movies do um, but especially spirited away is so special um and uh yeah my number one is also a ghibli movie i'm glad we all could recognize them as the fucking kings and queens of the the kids genre because they really are um specifically Hayao miyazaki um and i have the poster behind me i mean it was hey. anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with Totoro. Um, it was, you know, it was it was always important to me as a kid, and it remains very important to me as an adult. Um, and kind of what Charlotte said about Kiki's, like, there's not a lot of, you know, conflict in this movie at at all. 
And it's just really about the essence and the wonderment of being a kid, um, a place, you know, that we all want to go back to and like a time that we all like yearn to like recapture, or at least I do, is that childlike, you know, wonderment that we all had as a kid. And like Totoro, I think just does it perfectly. And it's just the most cozy, comforting movie <clears throat> uh, um, in my, in my <laughs> repertoire. And I think like, I think maybe like along with other Miyazaki movies, I think it's a movie that people are like going to keep showing their kids because like, I mean, one, it's uncontroversial. Like there's nothing you could really say about Totoro, but like, it's, it's just, it's so life affirming and it teaches that, you know, kids at a very young age, like at a toddler age, you know, like really simple, simplistic independence and like how to deal with a sick parent. Um, how to deal with feeling like a little inadequate some days and, you know, like maybe you have to fend for yourself. Um, and I just think like the simplest of like little conflicts that he injects into that movie, I think are so geniusly uh, portrayed in that movie. And uh, just the, it's just the movie for me. It always was when I was a kid um, and Miyazaki is daddy and we could all agree there. Um, so yeah, that's my number one on, uh, and I didn't expect that we'd all have Miyazaki's. I think that's <laughs> fucking awesome. That's so cool. Um, he's the goat. He's he's undoubtedly the goat. Um, I I Kiki's was on my list too. Um, I and I spirited away, but Ponyo was the uh, another one that I was like really close to uh mm, to bring it up in this. Ponyo. I Ponyo. was really close to bringing up Howl's movie yeah, Castle. That too. But Same. also, I want to give a shout out to fucking. Tale of Princess Kaguya, mm, a Ghibli um, film. So underrated. It, so underrated. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely not a, in my opinion, it's not a kid's movie. No, no, no. I don't think so. So it's like, eh, do with that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ghibli later on kind of deviated from the, because like The Wind Rises is not really a. I need to see The Wind either. Rises still. I need to see Only Yesterday, and then I need to see Ponyo, and I think that's about it. Only yeah. yesterday is so melancholy yeah. and beautiful. It's, it's very sad. I love it. Yeah. Am I gonna so cry? Good. Probably. Pro- probably. Oh, uh, I love crying to movies. I, I think Only Yesterday though is a great movie to show older kids, not necessarily like mm. the three year old, but like you know, <laughs> eight or nine when they're like starting to get to a point where they may be on the cusp of puberty or whatever because it like mm-hmm. also normalizes menstruation and like mm. such a great way i think totally and i heard that of course because how society in the world is that that's a big reason why the film's often considered pretty controversial and why it was even given like a pg-13 rating and stuff like that just because of oh, like i didn't even realize it was. mentions of menstruation is too much for <laughs> cis men it was that even in Japan or was that just when it got a US release? Because that sounds like it sounds American, it, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Interesting. We, whatever the case though, like that. It's a, yeah, it's a great film. Um I, I even their me, you know, quote unquote mediocre films, I I I cry like, you know. So Pompoko's fucking I was gonna say Pompoko, I haven't even seen it yet. Pompoko's great. Um when Marty was there, I was like, I'm not, I don't love that movie as much as the others, but I still kind of cried during it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's just, it's just wonderful. Um, it's, 
whip the fan out. Um, <laughs> so I think we covered it. I think we did our top yeah. 10s. Do you guys have any other like things regarding kids' films that you want to bring up? Any sort of topics or any anything we missed out on? I Honorable think... mention for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, I guess. Yes. Mm, and Marcel for me. Oh, Marcel the Ooh. Shell is so good. I didn't even another... think about that as a kid's, you know, I guess more of a family film, but it does work. It does work. Absolutely. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas is great. The Iron Giants, I'm a huge fan of oh, that. Movie. I first finally watched it last year. It is so, God, it's so, so low. Um, there's, there's a bunch of Disney movies I love, like Alice in Wonderland and like Pinocchio and shit that I, I didn't mention, but mm-hmm. trying Dearest to think. The Cats. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, too. I love Lady and the Tramp, I haven't seen in a long time, but I fucking loved that when I was a kid. Um, I love Stuart Little, despite <laughs> controversial choice. I want to eat Stuart Little. Can you imagine going to an orphanage or living in an <laughs> orphanage and them choosing the rat over you, bro? Yeah, yeah. I would cry. <laughs> I'd That'd be my joke. Rat it's a rat that has a car and he talks, though. I mean, it... <laughs> you have stiff fucking... competition. <laughs> have you all seen Babe Pig in the City? I haven't seen Babe Pig in the City, but I've seen Babe. Oh, my God. I mean, the first Babe is, is good and whatever, but Babe Pig in the City is a wonderful movie. Is it? Love- it I think it's right up both of your alleys. Just so imaginative and scary. It is fucking terrifying. Like to this day, the animated Charlotte's Web. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's good it. too. Charlotte, I have the um, original like watercolor art print VHS slipcover for Charlotte's Web. Oh. with like the big rainbow and them all marching. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. Also, I just want to say I'm so proud of us. I don't think any of us made an irreversible or a Serbian film or a sallow joke this entire time. <laughs> so we pure. Are, it was so such pure. a pure episode. <laughs> um, I mean, that kind of was just a sallow joke, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's whatever. Um, <laughs> Salo, uh we've talked. That's like the number one film that we've referenced in the past like year. Um, mainly because it causes a stir with the with you know with Mr. Carlito. Um, it's a um, great family movie. Show your kids that as soon it's a great as family movie. A lot of family love in that movie. It will teach them to be yes. anti-fascist. It's true. Yeah. It does. It's, it'll never. They'll never be fascists after ingesting that. These are the um, morals we need to impose on our kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Antichrist is another great one. Oh yeah. Um, hey. Birds and the bees, first scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't kill a baby, you mean? Don't let your baby go. No, I mean that stuff. massive Willem Dafoe dog. No, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Willem's packing at heat, which we all knew. Uh, we all knew. But it was affirmed in, uh, in Antichrist. <laughs> um, Never Ending right, Story is another one I, I, I had on my list, too. I love I the Never Ending Story. The Never Ending Story. It. It's, it's a magnificent one. Um, you are literally Falcor, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he is Falcor, yeah. In the same way, you're literally yeah. Totoro Jake. 
Oh, that's, that's what I tried to be. That's what I tried to be my whole life. Thank you so much. God bless um, it. <laughs> how many fans do you have? That's like um, the third I, different fan. You. I went to Pride. Oh, hold on. Oh my God. <laughs> the second time that Rise walked off frame. <laughs> I have three, or I have two now. This one what? says um, it's a Mean Girls reference, and it's oh, nothing. amazing! And it's her saying, "Is cocaine a carb?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And then the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm getting nervous that we still have to rank all these. Do we? Do we? I didn't know Do that we? was part of it. We I can't. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I guess I didn't know. I was like, God, I was getting nervous. It was like thirty movies. <laughs> We're gonna make thirty movies. I don't know if we can do that. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> we can say the like the top five. I don't know. I don't know. Totoro, the, all the Ghiblis. There we go. All the, the Ghiblis. That's all the best. That's the top. You know what? That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, but uh, amazing episode. Thank you guys so much. You're both wonderful people, and it was a pleasure to have you guys on for very wholesome and a very. Just a trip down nostalgia. So I appreciate you guys coming on. Oh yeah. Um, thank go ahead. Thank me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having us, Zaddy Jake. <laughs> you're so you're so welcome. Um, anything you guys want to plug about your life or just parting words in general? Um, Charlotte, Eddie, thank you so much. You were great. And you dressed up. I appreciate it. You look Im- immaculate. I had to look hot. And on that note, subscribe to my OnlyFans, JK. <laughs> unless, uh, unless, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. What's what's your OnlyFans? Uh, Ari Aster boy number twenty-three. It's just me folding <laughs> the lips of the shirt and making him say nasty shit. <laughs> I would subscribe. Hey, I would honestly, I'm a content creator. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so much, Jake. You that guys, was fun. Of course. You guys are both welcome back anytime. You were wonderful guests. Um, and Rye, you said theater episode. I know we've put that off for like we gotta do it. God knows how long. So just give me we a list of drag movies. in someone that doesn't like musicals. And I think Oh, I mean <laughs> that's very simple. Like just bring Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that I might be care. That might be against the whole spirit of musical theater episode, which because like every every chance he'll get, he'll take a stab at a like American in Paris or something like that. So. Yeah, which I haven't even fucking seen. See, so I have some research to do as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. Um, we'll talk. But thank you, everyone, for listening to this. Um, let me know like your favorite family films. I'm actually curious um, to see those answers. So hit them in the comments or whatever um, and subscribe to the Cinnabums on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, on Twitter, on Instagram, and check out our website and all that jazz. Um, all that jizz, I should say, excuse me. We're with this <laughs> Misfit Pond crude right now. So, and yeah, look out for our next episodes, whatever that will be. And everyone have a good day. We love you. <laughs>